Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Three, just three days remain in year of our Lord 2020. If you count today, which why wouldn't we count today? Three days until 2021. That means we are firmly entrenched in what I call the dead zone on Tony Katz today. This is the second of two Dead Zone shows with the Nation of Jake filling in for Tony Katz on this fine program, 833-GOT-TONY, if you want to contact the program by phone. But who does that anymore? It's all online these days. You can holler at me on the Twitter, at Nation of Jake. Feel free to do so here in the Dead Zone. And by the Dead Zone, I mean the week between Christmas and New Year's, where nobody's doing nothing. At least not much of anything. There are folks who are working hard, and I salute you. But there are too many people who are either at work or working remotely, and then everybody else is on vacation. So there's not a lot of expectations, say, for productivity. Uh, I am the exception. This will be a more traditional Dead Zone show. Uh, It's very hard to do a Dead Zone show on a Monday because when you're in radio— On a Monday is when all the news from the weekend kind of culminates, and you've got so much to cover. That was yesterday's Dead Zone program. Today's Dead Zone program is going to be more like, yeah, we we cover the news, and we will continue to cover the big stories. Coronavirus relief. Uh, The bill has been signed by President Trump, but now the House has voted to increase the amount of coronavirus relief funds to Americans from $600 to $2,000. And all of this is political theater. All right, more on that in a few minutes. Also, uh, some updates on the Nashville bomber we covered at length on yesterday's program here on Tony Katz Today with the Nation of Jake. You know, it's it's kind of scary to think about. Like, everybody it kind of been using 2020 as a blanket excuse for all the bad things that have happened. You know, outside of you know the main three things... 2020 will be remembered for of being the uh, pandemic protests and politics. People just say, oh, yeah, of course, uh, bad things are happening because 2020. Wouldn't it be funny if on Thursday, when the clock strikes midnight, when it when it shifts from 1159 to midnight, your calendar there on your iPhone did not read January 1st, 2021, but instead switched to December 32nd, 2020, just to extend the worst year ever, where you, instead of dying or starving, you had to sit home and stream shows on Netflix if you are a survivor, one of the many survivors of this pandemic. You know, when you you do a a year in review show uh, in the dead zone, uh, it's usually we go through all the the stories in Ari Castle, producer of Tony Cassidy, you know this. You know, when your your host Tony says, Hey, we're doing a, a year in review show, Ari, collect all the stories from 2020, all the big stories. And you go through them, Ari, and you go, Oh, yeah, I forgot about that one. You know, you always get those stories, right? You're like, Oh, I forgot that happened. Was that this year? It seemed longer ago, or it just seemed like, yeah, whatever. So when you go through all the stories at the end of the year, There's always the ones you forget, but this year's kind of different, isn't it? It's different because like I said, there's really only three categories. The stories will come from, it'll be pandemic politics 
or protests because those were really the only stories. Of course, you had celebrity deaths. Of course, you had other stories. Other things happened. But it will always kind of be in that umbrella, under that umbrella of pandemic protests and politics. So when you're in the dead zone doing the year in review show, just to prove it, you know, I, I went through and I was looking for the compilations of all the stories of the year. And they're all that's just that pandemic politics and protests. This is from CBS News and they go month, month by month, all the big stories in 2020. And it's that, that's it. In January, COVID reared its head. Uh, the very first case in the U.S. was a Washington state man who had traveled from the city of Wuhan in China, where it all started. Now, that's very dangerous to say. You know, saying it started in China, calling it the Wuhan coronavirus. See, now, now it, it all comes back to you when you talk it out. Because early in the year, I remember filling in on this program, Nation of Jake, on Tony Katz today. And you could say I was dismissive of coronavirus. You could say that, oh, yeah, I just said it was going to be like SARS. That was me being hopeful. I, w- I was hoping. I was looking at best case scenario. Hopefully, this is like the, the SARS scare and that this won't be as bad. It won't be a full-on pandemic. It won't take 300,000 lives. I, I was being hopeful. And, that, and that's, that's my way of doing it. I'm a positive person. I don't always sound like it, but my wife calls me a closet optimist, and that's true. You know, I, I, I get kind of dark sometimes. I might look at things from that negative angle, always trying to see the positive light behind it. So in January, COVID was the big story. Oh, what is this thing? And what's going on in China? What are we going to do about it? Uh, the first coronavirus patient had at least 16 close contacts before he was placed in isolation. Americans evacuated from Wuhan were being tested uh, back, back when the testing was very difficult to come by. I mean, all this stuff kind of unfolded in in real time. And then there's a lot of misinformation. Did it come from bats and bat soup? I mean, you think about where we were in January and what we know or, or knew or didn't know about coronavirus to where we are now in December, the, the last three days of 2020. And there's a vaccine out there that's 95% effective, uh, according to to uh, research and the developers of said vaccines. It's unbelievable. That is a, that is breakneck speed. Going from not knowing anything about it, not knowing the origins, to having a vaccine within 12 months. That's, that's pretty unbelievable. And that, in and of itself, that's some good news out of 2020. And then we're only in January. In February, you had impeachment. It was all about the impeachment trial of President Donald Trump by the by the House, and then he was eventually acquitted by the Senate, and you knew that was a foregone conclusion. The, they did not have the votes in the Senate to convict the president, so it was just political theater. So in our our theme of uh, the the three main uh, categories of stories of 2020, you have pandemic protests and politics, so, and that was an, uh, just a. Uh, it was a show for everyone. Um, let's go ahead and, and vote to impeach him and have a trial and then just have people grandstand because uh, orange man bad, we hate Donald Trump. Uh, all, all the while, coronavirus is is starting to rage at this point. So in March, you're back to COVID. Uh, they declared a global pandemic. That's when things started getting really bad. Uh, 
the NCAA tournament canceled. Uh, the, the Olympics was postponed. Uh, I believe that was when uh, I, was watching, I was watching a game. I was watching a basketball game at a bar. At the time, I was still living in Memphis. I was watching the Grizzlies. And then we got on the ticker that Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, has decided to, to cancel the rest of the season or postpone the rest of the NBA season. Uh, unbelievable, very surreal moment uh, there watching it unfold in real time. Uh, in April, you started having people protesting the lockdowns. Uh, armed demonstrators took them to the Michigan State Capitol uh, protesting stay-at-home orders. Uh, and that became a point of contention uh, all, all spring and into the summer. Uh, and then, of course, in the summer, you got our, our third category. We went with pandemic, politics, and then protests. The infamous video of George Floyd in Minneapolis, Minnesota, with a knee to his neck from a, a police officer whose name escapes me. I don't remember the police officer's name. Uh, Derek uh, Chauvin. Derek, yeah, there you go. Derek Chauvin or Chauvin, if you're into uh, his, his French roots. Uh, so that, that story uh, took off uh, the, the injustice that was witnessed by many in that video, and, and that video was awful to watch. Uh, for, just watching it, you're like, there's no reason uh, Officer Chauvin's knee should have been on the man's neck for that long. But as you, you dug more into it, you're like, well, that's, that's how police are, are taught to deal with a, a situation like that. So something needs to change. And that led to riots, uh, fires, protests, some, some protests, uh, some riots. And that led to a, a long summer of protests. I think they're still having protests out west in, in Portland, Oregon. So, uh, again, I mean, the, the, and if you, as you go through just every month, it's going to fall in those categories, pandemic, protests, and politics. That's not to say other things didn't happen. It's just to say that those things were lost in these big stories. And, of course, uh, on top of all that, uh, it was an election year. So uh, you, you're kind of kind of like a, a lost year with regards to, to news and anything outside of those three categories. You know, cause I'm going through it. There's, you know, there was a, uh, I'm sure a hurricane mixed in there. You, you had sports, sports eventually did return, which I thought was, was good. I think it's something that we needed. Uh, MLB came back. Uh, the, the Dodgers win the world series. The, the NBA came back and they played in a bubble, which, uh, you know, it, it, it just kind of shows this challenge of this pandemic and how, well, we, we're all trying to figure it out. Uh, a lot of people, this will be the year, honestly, where they figured out how to you know, work remotely. I mean, Zoom uh, kind of replaced the conference call as, as a way for, for people to get together and to, to work together. Uh, in fact, there are a lot of people who this year experienced working remotely and have been just as, if not more, effective and efficient at their jobs and working remotely may be their new normal. And that's good for a lot of families. Because if you think about it, uh, child care has been a, an expense that people have had to deal with for a long time. And maybe it's uh, brought families closer together. If, if you don't think it's a good idea to get out all that much and stay home and kind of stay within your family unit, you've probably, I, can, I can attest to that. Uh, you know, I've been working from home in my home studio. My wife has been working from home in her home office. Uh, my kids were doing hybrid learning for a while, so one of my kids was doing school from home, 
Uh, we, we haven't gotten out a lot in the crowds. We don't make it a habit of leaving the house to get out in it. And so we've, we've been hanging out more together, uh, doing things, activities together as a family, um, trying to as our best we can to stay off our phones and our screens and play games and read and, and get out and do stuff. A, a little anecdote, and this, this, is, this happened just in the past few weeks, so it's kind of new. And Ari Casu, you'll like this. I, I know you do not have children just yet. Uh, you're a, you're a bit of a newlywed. I guess just a couple months you've been married. That's right. All right. Well, see, I've got a daughter, nine years old, and then her little sister, seven. And there are things that I have not done. Maybe it's because they're girls, and maybe it's just because my you know you, you like it or not. There are these these gender roles, things you think of. You know, if you got a little boy, you're like, oh, I'm gonna get him a baseball glove. I'm gonna get him a baseball. I'm gonna get him basketball and football and sports. Well, the other day I got a air compressor for my shop and so of course when you get a new toy you're like oh what can i inflate what can i do with this air compressor and i remember i had a basketball i was like oh yeah i got a box full of sports stuff i'm gonna get my basketball and i'm gonna inflate it so i had this basketball and i'm dribbling and my nine-year-old comes in and says oh we have a basketball i was like yeah she said can we go shoot hoops i said of course we can shoot hoops there's a, a there's a court like two minutes away just hop on a golf cart and ride it to the to the, the basketball court. This nine-year-old who had never really played basketball before outside of maybe going to her friends and, and you know, shooting just uh, briefly. This kid will go out and she'll shoot hoops now for an hour and a half, two hours at a time and never wants to go home. She doesn't want to go home. So if I wasn't like at the house, you know, looking for stuff to inflate because you've got this downtime. I mean, my, it's, it was just, it was, it was a cool moment. And then for Christmas or her birthday, which was just before Christmas, I bought her a basketball. And so she's kind of discovered this love for going out and shooting hoops that maybe wouldn't happen. I don't know. Maybe it's a stretch. But this is my experience with it. I've gotten a lot closer with my daughters. Um, we got a really good setup. Uh, so you're always trying to look at the bright side of all this stuff. Uh, so that's how I'll remember it. Because honestly, you'll remember the year how... You personally got through it. Now, if you're one of those people, uh, and I'm not saying that, hey, everything's great, because there are people who have been affected maybe directly by the pandemic, who have lost somebody, uh, whose whose livelihood has been strained, if not eliminated. Uh, people are really hurting, and they do need some sort of help. I'm just not sure that the national government can do it efficiently or effectively, and this whole thing just turns into a political show. And that's kind of where we are now with this coronavirus relief bill. There's been some movement on it. We talked about it yesterday. Donald Trump signed the relief bill, and then now the House wants to change things up on it. I'm not exactly sure how that's all going to work out, but we will do our best to try to make sense of it. Coming up next with Nation of Jake on Tony Katz Today. Pandemic protests and politics, pandemic protests and politics, the three P's of 2020, pretty much all the stories have to do with one of those three subjects, pandemic protests and politics. So here we are in the dead zone on the Tony Katz Today program with the Nation of Jake in for Tony, 833-GOT-TONY, the number at Nation of Jake if you need to contact me on the lines, on the Twitter, which will figure out big into this program today. So at Nation of Jake on Twitter. The COVID relief package signed on Sunday night by President Donald Trump after he kind of, he dragged his feet on it for a while. He was critical 
that $600 payments were not enough for people who needed help during this pandemic. He's probably right. Those who need help probably need more than $600. That said, the bill was written with $600 payments to individuals making $75,000 or less with a decreasing a relief for every, I guess, $100 more you make, you get $5 less, something convoluted and stupid and random and just arbitrary like that. Uh, then also $150,000 for families. If you make $150,000 or less, you get the $600 a piece. Either way, it's it's not enough for those who need it and probably too much for those who don't. But federal government is not good at uh, being uh, judicious with the help. Uh, they're not able to identify who needs the help, who's been affected, who hasn't. So their whole thing is, ah, just give everybody $600, right? That should be enough. Well, no. Again, not enough for those who need it and too much for those who don't. But they're so, so big and clunky and stupid that they, they can't do it right. So the president came out, said, that's not enough. That's not enough. They need $2,000 payments. Well, Democrats are like, oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Thank you for setting that up for us, Mr. President, because we think there should be more money and people should be more dependent on us. And we don't care. We don't care about deficits and debts. And, and, and frankly, neither do you, Mr. President. So thank you for this gift, because this all comes down to political theater. What, what has happened, essentially, the president signs the coronavirus relief package after saying oh, it's not enough is going to people. But what he didn't say was, I'm not signing this with all this other pork attached to it. Uh, he may have brought that up as part of it, but the main headline, the main tweet is that $600 is not enough. Well, the problem is not with that amount necessarily with, with raising $2,000. We did the math yesterday on the program. If you gave everybody in the country $2,000, you're looking at a bill that's about $630 billion, which is nothing to sneeze at, especially during a pandemic. You want to wear a mask and maybe not sneeze. Don't sneeze at the don't sneeze at the six hundred thirty billion. Sneeze in the crook of your arm. Chicken wing it, please. That said, six hundred thirty billion is like I don't know less than half of what the bill as drafted costs. The bill as drafted costs like two point three trillion dollars. I mean, you can for less than half of that give everybody two thousand dollars. The problems with all the other stuff in the bill. And so the president does not have the power for a line item veto because that is unconstitutional. The president can't pick and choose what he likes about bills and veto this part, that part. I'll veto all the pork and leave in the payments raises of $2,000. If he could do that in this instance, that would be the best thing to do. However, he cannot. So what we have is a situation with a bill that's already been passed. And the House now has voted to raise those payments from $600 per American to $2,000, which increases the cost of the bill by $426 billion. That will now go to the Senate. Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer says, oh, thank you, not only Donald Trump, for setting it up and saying $2,000 should be the number. The House passes it. It gets taken to the Senate to be brought up for a vote. Almost certain to fail. Uh, I don't know. If you have enough Republican votes, you may. I mean, uh, Marco Rubio is in favor of raising the uh, the amount. Um, you've got uh, Senator Sanders threatening to filibuster another defense bill unless 
they vote yes to raise the amount to $2,000 per American for COVID relief. So, I mean, you see where I'm getting is that this is being used as a proverbial political football for these guys in the Senate to get wins. We got a Senate runoff in Georgia. So if the Senate votes no on raising the payments to $2,000 per American, they can, they probably already have them cut. They have already cut the commercials. Ari Castle, you were in Georgia not long ago. You saw many, many political ads, pretty much every commercial break when you were watching football or whatever you were doing up in the North Georgia mountains. You, you saw the political ads. I guarantee you they already have one produced that says Republicans have denied you $2,000 in coronavirus relief. Uh, Republicans want you to die. They have those already made and ready to go. They're just waiting on the vote. They're waiting on the Republicans to say, look, that's too much. But what, what the Republicans should be saying is, no, it's all the other stuff in the bill. It's all the pork all the gender programs in Pakistan. That's the message that needs to get out. But it all comes down to they don't care about helping you. They care about helping themselves. It's all about politics. Coming up, more on 2020. I want to dive deeper in. I, I went through the list of people we lost. Man, we lost some titans. It's coming up next on Tony Katz Today. I don't mean to be so cavalier about death, all right? I don't. I know that people are affected. I mean, every person who died from coronavirus is important. Uh, But when we talk about it in the aggregate, we talk about 300,000 deaths. It becomes a statistic. And everybody's like, well, we're, we're, we're doing better on deaths than you are. You know, state to state. Oh, this state has so many deaths. Well, this has fewer deaths. It's like, I don't know. It, it gets to the point where... You know, we're desensitized, and we've, we've become largely desensitized to a lot uh, given what we know and how we're presented information this day and age. Uh, because 2020 has become a popular refrain in the face of death, whether it is people who are casualties of the pandemic or uh, celebrities who, who may or may not have been casualties of the pandemic. And, and let me be clear about something. The pandemic has been terrible, absolutely 100% awful. Very little good has come out of this situation. And if it is anything good, like, say, a vaccine, uh, groundbreaking vaccines, which will be able to save lives in the future, it does not uh, minimize the the individuals who we lost, uh, whether it be just average people or uh, celebrities or influential people. Uh, but but making headlines this year were a lot of celebrity deaths, and and I touched on it a little bit yesterday. Uh, the ones that are really hard to take are people who who went before their time. Uh, Kobe Bryant, I, I could not believe when I read that that Kobe Bryant was dead. I mean, Kobe Bryant's a guy my age or thereabouts. Uh, this is a guy I, I watched play basketball forever. You know, living in Memphis in the early two thousands when the Grizzlies were brand new. Uh, the Lakers would would come to town a lot, and we're talking about Western Conference, uh, not not rivals at the time. The Vancouver Grizzlies were never really considered a rival of the Lakers, but as uh, the scrappy underdogs, we loved it when the Lakers came to town because maybe once in a while, the the Pal Gasol and the Grizzlies could beat Kobe and Shaq and the Lakers. I, I got to see Kobe play basketball quite a bit 
in the early 2000s, and he's a fantastic player. Uh, he had some some uh, definite controversy in his career with what happened out in Eagle County, Colorado, uh, but he was kind of entering this second act, the second chapter. He had uh, a family. He had daughters who were, were getting into the game and getting into basketball. Uh, he probably was going to have – he was a businessman and a – and going to start a uh, a broadcast career, or or he, the sky was the limit for a guy like Kobe Bryant. He was my age, and he was gone in a in a helicopter crash. Which you, know, you could you could speculate should should he have been in the helicopter that day? Were the conditions right? Uh, obviously, they they weren't. It was a chance. It was just an awful uh, awful situation. And any people, a lot of people are going to miss Kobe Bryant. He was a he was a, a giant. Uh, Chadwick Bozeman is the other one. Now this guy was, I think, a year older than than I am today. Uh, when when he was uh, when he died from from colon cancer, nobody knew he had it. Talk about a warrior, Chad Bozeman. He made movie after movie. I mean, physically demanding roles uh, as Black Panther and and other roles that he he took on, and he didn't tell anybody. And I'll tell you what, Chadwick Bozeman, he had the best friends in the world. I mean, a lot of these guys who were in Hollywood or musicians or or, or in, in, in major sports, they've got entourages and they've got guys who, who will leak to the media. The Chadwick Bozeman was surrounded by solid people because he battled colon cancer for years and nobody knew a thing about it until uh, he, he died, which, which is pretty amazing. And it, the, the other category of, of celebrity deaths or or people who were so influential were the musicians. Uh, Neil Peart from Rush. Uh, when I read that that he had passed away, I was I was uh, real sad about that. I mean that that guy. If you know anything about the band Rush, which I never grew up a big Rush fan, I became a Rush fan just by learning about the band. I um, mean that guy was real heady, real smart, a uh, ph- phenomenal drummer. A really interesting story. There's, a, I think, a Netflix documentary on Rush, Beyond the Lighted Stage is what it's called. Beyond the Lighted Stage, the, the line from Limelight. Uh, he, it's, it's fantastic to watch. And, and he was kind of like the, the lead drummer of that band. If you know anything about the band, uh, you, you know that, that Neil was the guy really driving it. And the other, of course, Eddie Van Halen. I mean, I, I cannot overstate how important Eddie Van Halen is to, to a guy like me. Um, I'm a Gen Xer. I was six years old when 1984 came out. And 1984 was the last record with David Lee Roth on it. So as a kid, when you hear Jump and you're six years old, it's the greatest song in the world, right? And then I got to go back and, and discover the, the, the catalog uh, up to that point from 1978's Van Halen 1 all the way up to 1984. And as a guitar player and a musician, I loved Eddie Van Halen. The guy was, he was not, Human, he was a wizard who was sent here to wow us with his guitar wizardry. Unbelievable. And on YouTube, there's an interview, I believe the Smithsonian did, a whole series of, of on, on, you know, great Americans. And uh, Eddie Van Halen, he does like an hour, hour and a half talking about growing up and, and needing to uh, be really, he was, he was very, let's say, resourceful. Uh, practice, practice hard, but he also revolutionized the way that, that people played guitar. So, I mean, th- those are those are kind of the the ones that hit really hard for for different reasons. But man, I was going through the list, and the list is long 
unfortunately, of those we lost in 2020, whether it was to coronavirus or not, I'm, I'm looking at people whose time came. And man, I was, I was looking not only at just how many great people, uh, artists, actors, uh, authors uh, passed away, but, but also, man, these, these guys lived long lives. I mean, there is, there is no reason to be sad about people who pass away at the age of 90. I, I think that there's a different word. There's, there's got to be a different feeling. You know, when, when a guy like Clive Cussler, the great author, he sold millions and millions of books, so westerns, he, he was an adventurer. He kind of wove his, his own experiences into his books. Uh, he was 88 years old. I mean, that is a life well lived. If, if a guy on the radio in the dead zone is talking about you after your death with reverence, then, then you, you did okay. Then that's really, if you were a noteworthy, you lived a life, but you lived to, to do great things. Kirk Douglas mentioned him yesterday. Kirk Douglas is Spartacus. Uh, the, the great actor, he was 103 years old. 103. He, he probably lived 20 years beyond uh, most people's lives, and it was a good one. Not a good one, a great one. Jack Welch, the business titan. Jack Welch was 84. Uh, you know, I read about a guy, and, and a lot of these guys, you know, in their old age, they kind of disappear, and you, you don't hear much about them, unfortunately, until they pass away. Uh, James Lipton. I used to watch Inside the Actor's Studio, and it was just so cool. Like, James Lipton was just kind of this, this, this goof, to me at least, when I was a kid watching him. But he did great interviews, and then he was, uh, he was kind of uh, parodied on Saturday Night Live. Uh, was, it, was it Will Ferrell who did the James Lipton impersonation on SNL? And it was hilarious, and he, he kind of got brought back in to the, uh, I, guess, I, I guess a pretentious person would call it the zeitgeist. But I'll go ahead and, and use that term. I'm, I'm, I'm not against using German. Uh, Don Larson, the great Don Larson, threw a perfect game in the World Series. Uh, he, he died at age 90. 90 years old, we're talking about. I mean, this, these are guys who are living it up. Um, Buck Henry, the great comedian and comedy writer, also uh, heavily involved in SNL. I think he co-wrote The Graduate. Uh, he was 89 years old. Uh, Don Shula. Of course, no, the Miami Dolphins coach, Don Shula. He was 90. Jerry Stiller, uh, Ben Stiller's father, also Mr. Costanza on Seinfeld, uh, 92 years old. I mean, these guys, Carl Reiner was 98. Oh, you know what? It was, it was odd. There was one day, you know, spending a lot of time with my daughters, trying to, you know, uh, kind of take them to school in a way. Like, hey, you know, we've got some downtime. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you the, the right things to watch. We watched the Indiana Jones trilogy because the fourth, the fourth movie never happened, right? And I was like, I don't know. My kids might be, they're, they're nine and six. I, I, I watched it when, when I was that age. Uh, you know, we're a little bit more careful about, you know, people's hearts getting ripped out of their rib cages and stuff. That, that said, I'm like, oh, my kids are going to watch the Indy trilogy. And we got to the third movie, and I was kind of explaining who Indy's dad was. And I, I kid you not. We watched Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, and the next day we get the news that Sean Connery dies. It's just it's it's one of those things. I guess the reticular activation, you know, things happen and and then they pop out in your brain. Like, oh my god, I just watched that movie. So I watched The Rock. 
to commemorate, not not to be sad, but just to remember, you know, a guy like uh, Sean Connery, who was, by the way, 90 years old when he passed. So those are some of the folks who we can celebrate. Well, there there were the sad ones, the the guys who went before their time, uh, but then there was a lot of lives that were that came to an end that were well lived. All right, I have a little game I want to play with Ari Castle coming up. Uh, I want you, Ari, to listen to a sound and identify it. Sounds easy enough, doesn't it? I you'll, suppose. You'll, yeah, you yeah you'll you'll find out how how difficult it is coming up next right here on Tony Katz today. I have a game. Do you want to play a game? Ari Castle, producer of Tony Katz today, Nation of Jake in for Tony today. I'm going to, how are you with sound effects? How, how is your ear? You work in radio. You should have a pretty good ear. I think. All right. Well, here's what I'm going to do. This is from a viral video. All right. And this is a sound effect, a sound I'm going to play. And I just want you to take a wild guess at what is making this sound. Are you ready, Ari? Let's do it. Here we go. There you go. There's the sound. Somebody getting knocked the bleep out. Wow. You, can you be more specific? Someone, if this is the viral video I think it is, is this in the gas station? Yes, it is. It's in the gas station. He, like, hits him with a can of something, right? Oh, yes. It's a, it's, it's a soda can or, a, I guess, a can of twisted tea. Yeah, that guy deserved as, it, too. Absolutely. Now, this is a situation. This is a situation where the Internet truly is undefeated. All right, number one. Nothing I like more than somebody getting their comeuppance. And nothing I like more than somebody getting their comeuppance and getting getting caught on tape. All right. So the situation as I saw it on this viral video, and it's very easy to find. I have retweeted it at Nation of Jake on the old Twitter machine. We've got a guy who's in a gas station, um, and he's he's just dropping the N-word. As if he has some right to say it. This is a Caucasian guy, all right? And he is just saying the N-word over and over in the presence of black people, which from from what I gather, uh, just kind of being around the world, you, you're not allowed to do if you're a white guy. Uh, you shouldn't do it at all. I, I, don't, I don't think anybody should use that word, but I'm not, I'm not the, the word police. You know, I, I think uh, th- this guy, though— is being combative, he's being obnoxious, and he just keeps on, and he's asked repeatedly, hey, will you cut it out? And he's like, no, I'll do it all day, every day. Um, and at one point, uh, the gentleman who he is hurling this epithet at, at whom he's hurling this epithet, uh, just he's had enough. And so he, he picks up a twisted T, all right? Twisted tea is, you know, one of those, like, uh, it's like Arizona iced tea. I guess a lemon twist to it. It is a tasty drink, it with, seems. With alcohol, yeah. With Well, so Twisted Tea has alcohol in it. It's like a Four loco or something. So good. Love oh, Twisted Tea. Oh, you love that stuff. I, I can't get into it. That that said, okay, so Twisted Tea is an adult beverage that's that's made for people with the palates of children. And so he, he picks up, what is that, I guess, a 20-ounce, 18-ounce can. It's a tall boy is what it is. So he gets a good grip on this tall boy. And he hauls off, and he smacks this dude right in the face. And it sounds like this. It, that sounds like from a movie. That sounds like Indiana Jones punching Nazis. That's what it sounds like. Uh, you know, I always, always wondered why when people punch each other in movies, it sounds like a bullwhip. 
because I grew up watching Indiana Jones and all those kind of movies. But that's that is oh so satisfying. Were were you not just watching it going, oh man, I I know what's going to happen and this is going to be fantastic. Yes, and it also helped that the the Caucasian man who was using the racial slur also looks like a dirtbag, like a piece of oh, crap. Oh, yeah. So I just, from immediately when I saw him, I was like, I hope this ends with this guy getting just hit. It, it, hit. Dude, it, it's just, it's golden when things happen exactly the way you want them to happen. And when when the Th- thing... He was asking, he was, he was like, I bet you won't hit me. And then sure oh, yeah. enough, he got hit. All right. Well, well, here's here's why I bring this up, because I do want to give credit where credit is due. The internet is truly undefeated. Okay, because this video came out, and with lightning speed, it seems, somebody thought that 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 sound sounded like something else. And so they kind of did a remix of this video. And and when you hear it, it's going to make perfect sense. Uh, Here here we go with the internet being undefeated. Uh, Example, 41,242,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,
It's Tony Katz today. Just three days remain here in the dead zone, the week between Christmas and New Year's. Also three days remaining in the worst year ever, 2020. That's right, 2020's been an awful year. It's been kind of easy just to blame everything on 2020. And you get to end it, at least in part, by having your buddy Nation of Jake in for Tony Katz on Tony Katz today. At least today. Tony will be back to ring in the new year with you, I'm almost certain. Uh, Again, look, 2020 has not been particularly good, and it's not over. I mean, we've got some news to cover on this program today in the dead zone. Uh, We've got an update, uh, the latest on the bombing in Nashville. Christmas morning, a bomb went off. Uh, There were no casualties uh, that I've read about except for the, the man who set the bomb off. And, and look, there's a lot of debate on what do we call this? Call it terrorism. Call him what he is. He's a white suicide bomber. It's like, okay, <laughs> you, you, can't, you can't deny those things. But uh, I'll tell you what I won't call it coming up in just a bit. Uh, a few other news and notes that we got the coronavirus relief package, which was signed by President Donald Trump. Uh, it will move into the Senate after the House has voted to raise the amount from 600 dollars in relief funds per American to $2,000. Now, I'm not sure what other changes happen. Uh, Maybe all adults will get $2,000 and they'll get more money uh, depending on on their children or dependents who they have with them. I'm not sure what the amount will be, but I think this is largely political theater. But I'm just reading now on Twitter, I guess this could be considered some breaking news. Both Georgia senators... Kelly Leffler and David Perdue, who are up for re-election in this Georgia runoff a week from today, they have come out supporting the $2,000 amount for coronavirus relief. So there you get two votes there in the Senate of Republicans who will vote to raise the amount. Uh, I'm reading that Marco Rubio out of Florida will vote to change the amount. Uh, the, The margin... Is, is not that big in the Senate. So all you need is, I guess, uh, one more Republican to, to vote yes to, to raise it, and then you've got $2,000 per American. And that could be a, a big win for whoever can spin it into a win. Uh, Chuck Schumer, the Senate minority leader, could say, hey, look, look what the Democrats did. But Trump could say, no, I did this. I put this in motion. The, the two senators from Georgia who are running for re-election can say, no, 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 we did this. We were the votes that made this happen. But it all comes pretty apparent that it's a lot of political theater. Uh, Also of note, in this Georgia runoff, this is interesting. There are two counties which sought to purge their voter rolls to take people off who had moved. They used post office information, change of address forms, registered at the post office to take people who no longer live in the county off the voter rolls. Well, that measure has been blocked by a judge, a judge saying, no, you can't use that post office information to purge the voter rolls. And it opens up the possibility that people who used to live in these Georgia counties could vote with their old addresses. Who is that judge? None other than the sister of Stacey Abrams 
who ran and was unsuccessful in her bid to be Georgia's governor. So maybe, I don't know, maybe that judge should recuse herself. It's pretty clear conflict of interest there, but at least two Georgia counties, there will be some possible um, uh, contesting of those votes if if this thing turns out as close as people may think. Uh, so those are some news items. Uh, there's plenty of news going on, but in the dead zone, we just, like anybody else, you know, it, it's the week between Christmas and New Year's. We don't really want to work all that hard. We also want to give due uh, 2020, the year in review, and whatnot. We, we went over kind of the, the three main categories that stories from 2020 came from. It came from pandemic, politics, and protests. I mean, those are going to be the headlines. That's what the year will be remembered for. But if you're an optimist like I am, you could you could take some positives out of this. Uh, you know, one of the main things that's in keeping with the three main categories of 2020 with the pandemic is that this vaccine. Uh, I went into to how the vaccine worked yesterday and how I was just uh, impressed, wowed. Uh, it was pretty amazing when you think about how they came up with this vaccine, not only the timeline, but the method with the messenger RNA. Uh, it's not really a dead virus they're injecting you with. It's instructions on how to defeat a protein that accompanies the coronavirus. And it's groundbreaking stuff. Nobel Prize caliber stuff. And and I think it's going to save lives in the future with, with other viruses and it could be a treatment for for other things so uh, hopefully we will we'll see some more uh benefits of that and that technology coming up uh you could you could make the argument that families were brought closer together this year uh through you know people uh, social distancing and limiting their time out um it's it's kind of a tough putt it really is i mean the the pandemic has been awful for so many uh not only people who we've lost uh people who've lost loved ones and also people who have lost their livelihoods with a lot of the, some would say draconian measures, uh, lockdowns. When I look at it, places who have the strictest lockdowns, they're not doing appreciably better, if at all, than places that were a little more lax in their approach to uh, the the COVID-19 pandemic. I mean, if you look at California and you look at New York, where they have Closed down schools, closed down restaurants, closed down businesses. They've got mask mandates. They've got all kinds of uh, strict measures. If you if you look at the aggregate, which I don't like to do necessarily because it, I think it kind of minimizes the impact that these deaths have had individually. But at some point, you just have to look at it this way. If you look at the charts and graphs and the numbers of uh, Florida, who is has been a little bit more, you could say lax, but uh, less restrictive. In their in their coronavirus measures, they're they're not doing worse than Michigan or New York or California. They, seriously, it's it's kind of odd that California would say we need more strict lockdowns so we can get our numbers closer to the states that had less strict measures. It's it doesn't really make much sense. It flies in the face of logic. Um, that said, I mean we can we could go through and and rehash. All the bad stuff, I mean, that's easy to do. I mean, you can just go through and be like, oh, yeah, pandemic, politics, and protests. Um, whether uh, the protests were the, the damage done uh, with the, the rioting or, or what, what sparked the protest, and that is 
some instances of police brutality that we'd rather not see. <laughs> that we we don't need um, the the use of force to become the norm. And and I usually uh, side with police. All right, I'm I'm going to give a police officer the benefit of the doubt until I see clear and convincing evidence otherwise. Uh, I want to make it very clear. But uh, those things, the pandemic, politics, and and protests. That's that's the the low hanging fruit, and that's what everybody's going to remember how 2020 has been characterized. What about the good stuff? I mean, there's been a lot of creativity. You know, people who have have been home, uh, they've gotten creative. Myself included. You know, I was I was contacted to start writing parody songs about quarantining and about the pandemic, and it was kind of odd at first. I was like, man, should we be joking about this? And then I thought about it. I'm like, what do we do? Sit here and cry the whole time? No, we, we can't do that. So you, you have to have some fun with, hey, this is uh, uncharted territory for some people. Uh, then those who go out and want to continue their everyday lives, uh, this, is, this is part of it. You know, it's, it's uh, relatable in, in a sense. We're all, we're all kind of experiencing this together, uh, many of us in different ways, but uh, a lot of us in the same ways. So, yeah, I mean, joking about it. Uh, making parody songs or or videos, you know, we we just played a game with Ari Castle. And there's a viral video out there, and somebody decided to take it and remix it to a Dave Matthews song, and it was hilarious. And that is on my Twitter. If you want to go see it, the guy getting smacked in the face with a twisted tea can. Uh, the, these are all things that people are doing in addition to spending more time with family or finding, you know, sometimes you know you you find out through a challenge, what, what you're good at. You know, people have had to totally switch careers in some cases, and, and maybe sometimes for the better. Uh, maybe you, you've come out okay uh, in, these, in these trying times, in these challenging times. The USA Today are doing their best to, to look on the bright side of things. Uh, the, the life staff over at USA Today, I don't know what a life staff does, but it sounds like a pretty fun job. They put together uh, the positive stories. At least trying to spin it uh, the best way they can. Of course, they bring up the the vaccines. That's probably the the brightest light, uh, as I as I outlined. With I mean, technology like this, sometimes you gotta have a challenge to overcome in order to to really push through and have a breakthrough like this. Uh, we've got uh, drive-in movie theaters have made a comeback. You know, life uh, finds a way. To quote Jeff Goldblum from Jurassic Park. Uh, you know, for a long time, people weren't going to drive-in movie theaters. They just weren't. They're were like, well, why would I go to a drive-in? But now, kind of like, oh, yeah, I can always go to the drive-in. And so uh, now people are doing all all kinds of stuff, drive-in concerts. Uh, maybe people, you, you, who knows when we'll get back to normal or if we'll ever go back to normal. I mean, the rise of video conferencing. I mean, for a long time, we've been able to do this, but it was more of a novelty. You know, FaceTime with the grandkids or with your grandparents or, hey, uh, FaceTime, you know, sometimes here and there, but most people preferred to to do their meetings in person. Now, Zoom meetings, Microsoft Team meetings, whatever the platform, that's that's kind of replaced the the conference call, and it's almost like it's expected that you're on video. And then there were kids who were doing the the virtual schooling on Zoom who got really creative, and they would come up with some sort of video feed of themselves on a phone and frame it up perfectly on their computer camera and make it look like they were there, but they would, well, they would skip school. Kids found a way 
to skip school while video conferencing. You know, it's, it's just like that. Don't tell people how to do stuff. Tell them what to do and let them surprise you with their ingenuity, as good old Hank Hill might say. Uh, you know, the restaurants who had been forced to limit capacity or close down altogether, uh, they found ways to, to get food to people and, and thus creating jobs. You know, the, the DoorDash uh, types. Um, that maybe that becomes the norm. You know, I, who was, um, my wife one day said, Hey, I'm just going to Instacart the groceries. I'm like, what are you talking about? I like going to the grocery store. She's like, yeah, but we don't have time. You don't want to get out in it. Uh, we're just going to do Instacart. And I was like, whatever. And then like 90 minutes later, all my groceries are on my front door. When a doorbell rings. I, I look outside. There's just groceries. So, I mean, a lot of stuff is, is being tried because out of necessity uh, that, that may work out better. You know, kind of throwing conventional wisdom uh, in the wind. Uh, you know, some of the sports stuff, you know, great sports stories that we saw. You know, I, I watched Major League Baseball get it done with something like a 60-game season, which a lot of people are saying, hey, you know, maybe we need to shorten the Major League Baseball season. Well, you had no choice but to shorten it. And they said, maybe we need the DH in the National League. It's like, all right, well, maybe we need to try this this extra innings rule where we start with a, sec- a player on second base. And you know, some of those things will find their way into the game when you have the conventional 162-game season. Or maybe it'll be 140. Maybe 120 with extended playoffs. Whatever it is, you're trying new things out of necessity that may end up being better for the future. Remember John Krasinski? Uh, he of The Office, Jim from The Office. He decided to launch his own good news show. He had a, a show called Some Good News on, on Twitter. And, and we're also seeing uh, celebrities making themselves more accessible to people, whether it be on a live stream, on Twitter. Think about how much the world has changed and how much this pandemic has accelerated. Not, not only uh, it, was, it, was it rough, but some of, some of the cool stuff. Uh, you've got, so, you're, you're able to get whatever you want. It used to be where everything was slick and everything was produced and it was very hard to put together. Well, now the expectation is, is not as high with regards to production values. You know, and, and it kind of strips down what exactly people want. Just, just give them the, the entertainment. Just give them the content. Don't worry about the slick packaging and the studios. The same with work. We're, we're kind of rethinking how, how work is done. You know, companies, small businesses, you know, probably one of the biggest expenses that you have is an office space, right? You got to go get a lease. You got to lease an office and all this equipment and computers. Well, now uh, people are working from home in their home offices and they're more available for their families. And think about that in a place like where I live in Atlanta, where the, the commute or L.A. or New York or, or pick your major city, where the commute can be an hour and a half or two hours one way. You that. Saves a lot of time, doesn't it? So, look, there, there's ways of looking at it and looking on the bright side of things. Sometimes you have to be presented with the challenge in order to come up with the, the best solutions to, to what before were just accepted ways of life. They weren't necessarily problems. It's just the, That's just the way it is. But because it, it affected so many people in the same ways, we got together and said, hey, why do we do it this way? Why, why can't we try something new? You don't really have a choice in this case. And so it it could be better and make our future brighter.
And and I think that, you know, with, with the main things with vaccines and, and ways to rethink and reimagine uh, work, uh, I think that those things will come to pass, that things will be uh, better and brighter. Um, you know, we've got some actual news going on, uh, less philosophizing, more more news. We'll get into some of those items, including the latest on this Nashville Christmas morning bombing. Uh, what do we know about the suspect? What do we know about his motives? That's coming up next with Nation of Jake on Tony Katz Today. More questions than answers in this Nashville bombing happened Christmas morning. Early in the morning, an RV was parked in downtown Nashville and was playing the old song downtown and with a female voice broadcast saying, get out of the area, uh, evacuate or, or, or whatever. So at least this suicide bomber, uh, he wasn't looking to to kill people, it doesn't seem. Uh, you, you do that in in crowded places, not uh, desolate downtown areas on Christmas morning. Uh, so explosives uh, damaged something like 40 buildings, and he blew himself along with his RV up, uh, doing a lot of damage to an AT&T building where there was a lot of uh, communications equipment. Um, the suspect has been identified as Anthony Quinn Warner, age 63. His motives, still still unknown. Uh, investigators are still searching for a motive. They've, they've talked to his neighbors and... Uh, Rick Lowdy, Warner's neighbor since 2010, told CNN he spoke with Warner four days before the bombing. Just four days. So December 21st. Uh, he says, I said, hey, Anthony, is Santa going to bring you something good for Christmas? Lowdy said. Um, Anthony replied, yes. I'm going to be more famous. I'm going to be so famous, Nashville will never forget me. Uh, Lowdy said he thought Warner was referring to something good happening. Uh, and then he went on, which you have to do. You have to you have to always uh, qualify what you say. Um, Loudy says, let me be very clear. He and I were not friends. <laughs> this is not my dude. Uh, you, will, you will not find anyone in my neighborhood who will claim to be a friend of his. He was just a legitimate recluse. So the loner, he was quiet. Nobody really knew him or what he meant or what he did. He was just a quiet guy. A recluse, a cipher. No, nobody knew his 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 motives, his politics. He wasn't on social media, but uh, politics, identity politics, will always make it in to any kind of act like this. And and I'll I'll go ahead and say it. This is terrorism. I've got no problem calling somebody blowing up an RV in a downtown area, terrorism, none at all. And I know there's a lot of federal funding attached to that word. So the, the authorities are very careful with what they declare as terrorism. But you got a lot of people who, who are talking about this, this bombing on, on like Twitter and Facebook. And let's just call it what it is. This is terrorism. Okay. Okay. If it's meant to strike fear and cause destruction, I have no problem calling it I Jake, Nation of Jake on the Twitter, at Nation of Jake. I will go and tweet right now that this was terrorism. Uh, well, well, then call him what he is. He's a suicide bomber. Like, okay, yeah. Yeah, he, he bombed downtown Nashville and in the process blew himself up, blew himself to tiny bits. They found his remains. He's, he is a, absolutely fine. He's a suicide bomber. Now what? Well, well, he was an extremist. It's like, okay, yeah, yeah, that's an extreme measure he took. I can't argue with that. 
I will use any and all those words. Where I'll draw the line is when you 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 start pushing me and saying this was right wing white terror. It's like wait a second, we don't know the motives yet. That's that's where that comes in. Yes, he was a white guy. Uh, I don't know if he was right wing or not. I don't know if his cause was to advance the the, the racism. Or if he was a white power guy, he happened to be white. At this point, that's all we know. We don't know what his deal was. If anything, it doesn't seem like he was trying to kill anyone of any race because he did this on Christmas morning when nobody was around. It looked like the target, and this is what most people would logically deduce, is that he was going after the AT&T building. Like he had a beef with AT&T. And, you know, uh, it was Kyle on Twitter yesterday he said, hey, there's a lot more of these 5G truthers than you know. There's no shortage of these folks who think that there's something nefarious about the 5G technology and that they're, they are extremists. Uh, again, you know, I, I bring up the Unabomber. I brought him up yesterday. It, it reminds me more of a Unabomber situation, which Ted's, Ted Kaczynski wasn't a, a white supremacist. And, you know, he happened to be a white guy. There's a big difference. So coming up. Oh, I've got some messages from the dead zone. Some of you folks don't like what I have to say, and that's fine. And we'll go through those messages next with Nation of Jake here on Tony Katz today. Not everybody likes what I say. If you're a radio guy, especially a guy who, who fills in on Tony Katz today like I do at Nation of Jake, and you, and you say stuff that everybody likes then you're just not you're not doing your job. You're, you're supposed to get on and kind of give a different look is what you're supposed to do. And sometimes I do that. And, and sometimes I get messages from people on the Facebook page, Nation of Jake. People track me down on Twitter, at Nation of Jake, which isn't hard to do because I always tell you where, where to find me. And I'm fine with having a discussion. I get messages from people who take personal offense to some of the things I say. And I don't really, really think I'm all that offensive, but sometimes... Somebody says something and it sticks in your craw and you just can't let it go. So I got a couple of messages from the general public on the Twitter, some messages from the dead zone, and we'll get into those in a second. But but this is this is something interesting. Uh, you know that there are journalists out there who have have come to fame, who have gained a certain uh, you might call it notoriety. Uh, some people have have capitalized on the Trump presidency, uh, none other than Jim Acosta from CNN. I mean that guy. Has has probably uh, ridden the Trump train to I guess books, book deals, and fame. You know, he's become kind of, become kind of a an icon. I, I see people I see people getting their picture taken with Jim Acosta at like Trump rallies, and it's like a big joke. It's like, yeah, yeah, I'm the heel. It's in this in this political theater in this WWE match. Uh, he gets to be the heel to some and the face to others. But now we have from the Atlantic. These guys are going to start changing their ways a little bit, it seems, with a Biden administration. <laughs> Duh. Uh, here we go. With, with Jim Acosta, the drama has made him famous, but Acosta said he doesn't expect to bring the same crusading style to his coverage of the next administration. Quote, I don't think the press should be trying to whip up the Biden presidency and turn it into must-see TV in a contrived way, he said. If that sounds like a double standard, Acosta says... It's not partisan. It's a matter of professional solidarity. In his view, according to The Atlantic, 
Trump's campaign to discredit the press has constituted a nonstop national emergency, one that required a defiant response. Uh, Quote, if being at the White House is not an experience that might merit hazard pay, he said, then perhaps it is going to be approached differently, end quote. Uh, Daniel Dale, the prolific fact checker uh, from the Toronto Star who rose to stardom, at CNN for his exhaustive cataloging of Trump's lies, says his beat will necessarily expand come January. Uh, quote from Daniel Dale, it will not be a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week job to fact-check Joe Biden. Though he stressed the same intensity and rigor should be applied to the incoming president, the simple reality is that Biden doesn't lie nearly as often as Trump does. Uh, consequently, Dale hopes to spend more time debunking online disinformation and digging into claims made by congressional leaders. So there you have it. The press, or at least the most visible members of the press during the Trump administration, are just admitting, oh yeah, we're not going to cover Biden the same way as we covered Trump. We're not going to fact check Biden as much as we fact check Trump. You should be doing the job the same way. If Trump gives you more to cover, he gives you more to cover, but you shouldn't change the way in which you cover it. Oh, we're not going to do it the same way. Of course you're not. And it just goes to show that every time somebody accused you of covering Trump unfairly, you just copped to it. And of course, every president's going to require uh, different coverage because they're going to do different things, but it, it shouldn't. you shouldn't change the way you go about it as a, a journalist. You're, you're there to... You're there to, to, to journal, to commemorate, for posterity, history. That's, that's your job as a journalist. But these guys aren't journalists. They're activists. And they're, they're guys who, who want book deals. And they want fame. So that's uh, – that, those quotes right there should tell you everything you need to know about guys like Jim Acosta and, by extension, guys like Daniel Dale and guys like Jake Tapper, all of them. Don Lemon, and um, I'm looking at his face right now on a little CNN ad, uh, Anderson Cooper. That guy who who three days from now will be drunk on air along with what was it, does, does Kathy Griffin still get to go on CNN on New Year's Eve? All right. And, I, and I'm sure that some people out there don't like what I just said. And they'll send me a message on the Twitter and they'll 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 get angry. No, no. These are the messages I got on Twitter yesterday. Ari Castle. These are, are messages. I, I checked them last night. A couple of them on Facebook, a couple on Twitter messages from the dead zone. And I will address these grievances Uh, in the order in which they were received. Here we go. You claim not to be sexist, but you admit you're more critical of the Wonder Woman sequel than the Thor sequel, so you are kind of sexist. That is from Katie on Facebook. Yes, look, I, I did say, Ari, you heard it. I said that Wonder Woman 1984 was so bad, I wanted to shout from the rooftops how bad it was. However, Thor 2 wasn't good, but I just ignored it. Well, that's not and a sexist thing. That's a quality no. of movie thing. It's, 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 okay, and that's just, it is a quality of movie thing, but to go a little deeper into it, and there are a lot of people out there saying that uh, people are more quick to criticize a film with a female protagonist than they are with a male protagonist, which I'm, I'm not sure that I, that's I think the that's, case. I think it's probably true subconsciously, but I don't think this is a mm. case of that. I think this is a case of Wonder Woman 1984 being very bad. Yeah. And that... The first Wonder Woman wasn't even that good. In fact, that got praise heaped on it, I think, because it had a female protagonist. I think that that got overhyped, 
And people were like, oh, my God, it was so great. When in actuality, after I saw it, the first Wonder Woman was just okay. It was slightly less bad than Batman versus Superman and Man of Steel and and whatever else came before it. Now, the other side of this is with the Thor sequel, The Dark World, which wasn't great. It was Marvel's track record. Marvel has been so good at these movies. Whether it's Iron Man, Captain America came out before Thor. Um, Any of these in Thor the Dark World, you had Guardians, I think, came out before that. Maybe, maybe not. I'm getting my timeline all mixed up. That said, Marvel had set the expectation. They set the precedent of such great quality films that I was willing to give a pass on Thor the Dark World. In fact, to that point, I didn't even like the first Thor that much, but I understood with the Marvel Cinematic Universe that you had to establish that character for future films. It was a marathon, not a sprint kind of deal with Thor The Dark World. And their batting average is better. The batting average is just way better with Marvel stuff. So yeah, I wasn't going to like, you know, say, oh, Thor was terrible, never watch another uh, Marvel movie again because that would have been stupid because now... Thor is like the best character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They, they did such a great job, and I know that Ari Castle will agree with me, developing Thor through the Avengers movies and the ensemble cast into Ragnarok, which is one of the best movies that they did, Thor Ragnarok. Top and five, probably, yeah. Thor Ragnarok with Taika Waititi at the helm with just the visuals and the music and everything, it felt like a Guardians of the Galaxy movie, which, by the way... Who knew who the Guardians of the Galaxy were before they made that movie? I mean, they were able to take a, a, a group of characters that nobody knew and and make it into a really good... They had me uh, nearly in tears by the end of the second movie. In, in a few years before, I had no idea who these characters were. This incarnation of Guardians was only out since 2008. It wasn't like people grew up with Guardians of the Galaxy as, as constructed with Star-Lord and Gamora. And them, it was it was always uh, like the, the the other characters. It was uh, the uh, Stacker and uh, Charlie and, and those other guys in Guardians back in the day. That said, uh, Marvel has done a better job of making me care about characters, whether they're characters I grew up with or characters that are relatively new to me. Uh, DC has not. DC is going to get the heat because everything they've put out is pretty much garbage. And including Wonder Woman 1984 has nothing to do with with a female protagonist, nothing to do with sexism. Uh, Moving on, another message from the Dead Zone. Are you really thinking about joining the Church of Scientology? That's what I asked. Well, yeah, Alan from Twitter also asked this. I made an offhanded comment about, I don't know, suppressive persons or people. I used some Scientology terminology. And I, and I do that because, listen, I've watched all the, you know, Going Clear and the Leah Remini uh, series uh, on Scientology. It's it's fascinating. Uh, L. Ron Hubbard and Dianetics and, and all the Scientology, you know, and it, it gets a it gets it gets heat for some of their practices, you know, with these documentaries and whatnot. The guys from South Park famously did a, a Scientology episode where they unveil what really the beliefs are. In Scientology, that the alien souls, the Thetans, are attached to your soul, and your goal is to is to clear yourself of these uh, ancient alien souls that are attached to your soul that are negative. 
Oh, that said, listen, I'm not I'm not ready to write it all off. No, I am not thinking about seriously joining this the Church of Scientology. Number one, it costs money. And I'm 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 not spending any money on really any church of any kind, especially not one uh Scientology. All right. That said, there are some things in Scientology. I'm like, yeah, I can I can get on board with that. You know, somebody's all negative all the time and dragging you down. Just declare them a suppressive person and cut them out of your life forever. I would never do that to my family. But there are people I'm like, yeah, you kind of suck. You're awful. Like you're you're cramping my style and I don't like you. You're a suppressive person. So it's more like I'll I'll make no bones about pretending to be a Scientologist. Uh, sidebar, I don't know why. Like a, a Toyota Scion dealership has not had a Scientology event. I've never seen that in the marketing. It seems like that would be really cool crossover, wouldn't it? No, I'm, I'm pretty so sure like, the Church of Scientology would not be into that. Scientology, though. It's not Scientology. It's Scientology. Like those little toasters that no, those campfires were riding it. around. It's, it's, I, get I the mean, pun. Do, you, do you get it? I get the pun. It's- I'm not sure you get it. I'm saying I'm not saying Scientology. I'm saying Scientology. Oh, Scientology! Wow, now you get that it. is phenomenal. Scientology. Uh, the the third message from the dead zone that I got. This was on Facebook as well. Uh, hey Jake, why are you so mean to Ari? And I'm not mean to Ari. Ari, am I mean to you? You accused me yesterday of putting words in your mouth, and I didn't. Compared I mean, to compared to Tony, you're the nicest person I've ever met. Look, if if anything, you're mean to me. If anything, uh, I take abuse from you because yeah, you I, get real defensive I, about I stuff. I do. I do. It's true. When I when like just yesterday, I I was just recounting an off air conversation we had, and and I quoted you almost verbatim, and you started yelling. I guess that you have suffered so much abuse at the hands of Tony Katz mm-hmm. that you think that maybe I'm like him. I'm nothing like Tony Katz. Oh, I know. All right, I've got a gray beard. Tony Katz has a, a luscious black beard. That's correct. All right, I have. Short hair, and Tony has a perpetual mullet. Even when he doesn't have a mullet in my brain, he's got a mullet. It's it's kind of a mullet, yeah. And it's 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 actually pretty great. Um, Tony Tony's one of those uh, guys who smokes cigars. Mm-hmm. I don't smoke cigars. I don't like cigars at all. In fact, you know, people are like, "Hey, you want to go have a cigar?" I'm like, "No, you're a suppressive person. I'm going to cut <laughs> you out of my life completely." You know, I I used to work for a, a radio host, and it seems like they all smoke cigars. I was a producer on a show, and a guy, all he did was smoke cigars and want to do uh, shows from cigar shops. And I, seriously, I would, I would go into cigar shops. I would, I would engineer these shows. And when I got home, I'd have to take off all my clothes on the front porch, get butt naked, and then, like, run through one of those little uh, tunnels, like, a, like an E.T. Remember, they had, like, the, the, the tunnels, like the hazmat tunnels, and I had to run right into my shower and stay there for three hours. And it was it was absolutely one hundred percent inconvenient. Hate cigar smoke, and I'm a beer guy. I'm not a bourbon guy. So listen, you don't have to worry. Whenever I I recount a, a conversation, I'm not trying to misrepresent you, Ari. But sometimes maybe when you hear the things you say, they just sound so ridiculous. I have never said, said back anything ridiculous. Never. I've never said anything ridiculous oh, in my on. life. I am. Oh come on. Never. Never. Ari Castle. Never uh, wrong. All right. Look, I am looking forward to 2021. And I happen to know, for a fact, it will start out right because there is something slated to happen on January 1st that I will be front and center for, and I hope you are too. We're going to start it out right, and I'm going to tell you how to do the same coming up next on Tony Katz Today.
It's not too early to say, Merry New Year! Merry New Year! I won't talk to you between now and then. Nation of Jake in for Tony Katz on Tony Katz today. It's been fun hanging out for a couple of days in the dead zone. Look, New Year's Eve is going to come around. You're not going to go to any big parties because people should be responsible and not have some big parties where you start making out with people you don't know. You end up the next morning or the next afternoon waking up going, oh, God, what did I do? Those days are over, at least for 2020. But 2021 is going to get started out right. All right? And I can tell you how to do it. It seems as though, and I found this out uh, not long ago, that Cobra Kai Season 3 has been moved up yes. to January first yes all right and if you're a fan of the cobra kai which this has been amazing look cobra kai is the story the follow-up 30 years later from the events of the karate kid trilogy because they actually do reference karate kid 3 and that guy terry silver from the third movie which was garbage that said it's part of the canon of karate kid and it's a pretty amazing show it's very cheesy in parts but in all the right ways so I started watching Cobra Kai when it came out on YouTube Red. I got the subscription. I watched the first two seasons on YouTube Red, binged them, and then Netflix has picked it up, and it found a brand new audience. I guess all those folks who who weren't uh, savvy to the old YouTube Red have discovered this show. I mean, and people of all ages. I mean, you you didn't see Karate Kid as a little kid, Ari, because it was before your time. I was but- shown it as a little kid. Right. You were shown it as a little kid, but I was there when it came out. Like, it was the biggest movie ever. Everybody wanted to do karate afterwards. I mean, that was my era. But you, as a guy, you're 10, 12 years younger than me. You're you're maybe even more, 14 years younger than me. You're into it. You're fully on board. Likewise, my mom and my dad, boomers, they're into it. It was a big movie for them as well. So it's it's uh, not a movie for all ages. You can't show it to kids, but, you know, anybody in their mid-20s, all the way up to their 70s watching this show. And the third season's coming in, and I've got some hopes for the third season. I really hope that Elizabeth Shue shows up and that if you haven't seen the season two uh, finale, uh, the cliffhanger is that Allie uh, sent a message, a friend request to Johnny, uh, Johnny Lawrence, played by uh, Billy Zabka. So I'm, I'm hoping to see Elizabeth Shue. Uh, She was most recently in The Boys on Prime, so she's probably not doing anything, and it's got to happen. Also a great show. The Boys is a great show, too. There's a lot of great TV out there, man. The the one show, and and I don't know if you've seen it yet, Ari, I want to give you this recommendation and everybody else as well. It's a slow burn, but it is brilliant. Uh, Patriot on Amazon Prime. Never heard of it. You have to watch the show. All right. And stay with it. All right? I stayed with The Mandalorian for you. I stuck with it, and I thought it was kind of slow. Patriot, watch it. It's uh, It's got Kurtwood Smith in it. Gil Bellows is in it. Uh, Kurtwood Smith, of course, Red Foreman from that 70s show, um, and he's, he's brilliant. And a newcomer, a guy named Michael Dorman, who is a fantastic lead in this show. It's just simply called Patriot. You, you type it in, you're going to get The Patriot with Mel Gibson. That's not what I'm talking about, the show Patriot. So... Um, I, I might rewatch some of Patriot because I loved it so much, but I'm definitely on board on Friday morning. I'm going to get up and I'm going to watch some Cobra Kai. Strike first, strike hard. No, no mercy. mercy. No mercy. None whatsoever. All right, Ari Castle, thank you, my man. Happy New Year to you. Thanks to Tony Katz for having me. I will see you in 2021.
or after December 32nd, 2020. The Nation of Jake and for Tony Katz on Tony Katz Today.